So sanctioning Russia's economic super elite, or oligarchs as we call them, is an important weapon in the fight against Moscow, a way to try to leverage the vast sums of money, the luxury properties, the investments, the yachts that they hold outside of Russia as a way to put a squeeze on the Kremlin and Putin and his inner circle. Well, Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney has been calling on Ottawa to spare no effort in freezing the Canadian assets of Russian oligarchs with ties to Putin. But attention has been turning somewhat to oligarchs with stakes in Canada's natural resource sectors. And they include a broad call for sanctions from the Premier. Um, would they work? Would they be symbolic, more than economic? Joining me now is Eric Koskinainen. He's the Associate Dean of Research and Business Impact, Professor of Finance at the Haskane School of Business at the University of Calgary. Thank you so much for being here tonight. My pleasure, Brendan. I'm glad to be here. Um, just a little bit, I mean, I don't think a lot of us recognize that that some of the names that we see pop up, not necessarily on the sanctions list, but some names of some pretty famous uh, folks, especially if you follow soccer and Chelsea in specific, um, exactly, are involved, exactly, involved yes. with, yes, go ahead, involved with Canadian, have some investments in Canada. Yeah, and of course, the most, most famous uh, investor among the oligarchs in Canada is, is Roman Abramovich. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like the soon to be former owner of, of Chelsea Football Club. And interestingly, he's now he's, he's apparently played the long game because when he's selling the Chelsea Football Club, he's donating the money to Ukraine. So right. he, he he's trying to survive. And of course, he's one of the owners of uh, the, the uh, UK steel firm Evrats, that have North America sub subsidiary have been uh, uh, producing steel for the Transmountain Pipeline. Right. Just to be clear they're not on any sanctions list right now Roman Abramovich of course uh, even though he quite as you mentioned quite publicly uh, decided to uh, to sell his uh, his famous soccer club uh, is not on any sanctions list um there are a few others too I, I gather Igor Makarov another gentleman who claims to have no links to Putin uh, owns some stuff here in Canada as well yeah absolutely yeah. the Igor Makarov is one of the owners of the uh, uh natural gas company in, in uh, Alberta now, would there be any point, and again, we're not there yet, they're not on any sanctions list, and again, Mr. Makarov claims to have no ties to Vladimir Putin, although they are both, uh, I believe, Mr. Makarov and Mr. Abramovich are on a U.S. list uh, of people with ties to Putin. What would be the effect of, of, of sanctioning any of this stuff? I mean, you, you talked about it a bit. So, uh, of course, these oligarchs claim that, hey, hey I can hardly know, the, I hardly know this guy. Of course, everybody, yeah. I mean, Russia, everybody knows everybody. Oligarchs know Putin, Putin knows oligarchs. So that's, that's completely laughable. However, I think that the, the um, Russian investments in Canada are so small that, of course, it would, would be a symbolic action, uh, wouldn't have that much of a real effect. Of course, the symbols also matter because we, we, I mean, all the Western countries now have to stand in solidarity with Ukraine. So I wouldn't dismiss this as nothing, but it would be mainly, mainly symbolic. I think what really matters is that Canada and other countries uh, froze the assets of the Central Bank of Russia. That was the right. biggest and most effective step. Absolutely. I mean, that was, uh, I was speaking to a gentleman earlier this week who thought that was a brilliant move. He was actually someone who studied, uh, had worked for the IRS as a, as a lead, as a sort of criminal investigator and thought that going after the central bank was really cutting off uh, the Russian state sort of war chest and thought it was a great idea. Tell me a bit about the sanctions in general, though, targeting oligarchs from uh, 
is is it working? Do you think? I mean, we've seen um, images of yachts being seized in Germany, of the French talking about seizing stuff. I mean, it all looks quite impressive, but is it actually effective? So, uh, of course, you know, yeah, French. The French have already seized one yacht, and uh, now today uh, in Italy, two two yachts were seized. Uh, wow. And of course, this is a. I mean. This is a, just a, like a nuisance, though. and you know, of course, these guys love the yachts and love love their love their condos in the New York City and the townhouses in the English countryside. And so, of course, if you go after the personal assets, they 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 that increases incentives to the, let's say start working toward the inside inside cool or palace palace cool. And right. if you heard right. that Putin's Putin's in the circle. Those guys, at some point, we need to get get, get rid of this madman, and because we want to have our nice, nice life back. I always thought, and this was just my reading of Russian. I've asked people about this. I always thought Putin sort of decided who got to be an oligarch ultimately, so that they don't really have much leverage on him anyway. But that could be wrong. Oh, oh yeah, of course, Putin. Putin got rid of a lot of oligarchs, all the oligarchs that had um, any any political ambitious. They were they were got got the rid of or eliminated even, but I think here, of course, the inner inner circle, the oligarchs, uh, the security, the military men, if they gang up together, I think they they can they probably could get rid of Putin. But uh, they, it takes a lot of coordination, and Putin is probably very paranoid, so it won't be easy because he has a huge huge security around him all the time. I want to ask you a question, just something I've been thinking about. You've, you're in Calgary now. You've been watching the reaction to this invasion from Calgary. You spent a lot of time, obviously, in Europe, uh, in Scandinavia. What have you felt about the reactions that have happened in different parts of the world? How are you seeing them? And I, of course, obviously, there's been a push now to join NATO in, in parts of Scandinavia that we didn't expect. Uh, I'm just wondering what your, what your analysis of sort of the, the differences and what you're seeing out there geopolitically in terms of the reaction to this invasion. It's been pretty fascinating. So this, I mean, the change in, in Europe is, is astonishing. So for example, Germany, I thought that Germany would go very, very easy on Russia because Germany is so dependent on Russian natural gas. But no, they, they, they closed down Nord Stream 2, the pipeline from, from Russia to Germany for natural gas, and, and, and uh, announced a historic increase in, in defense spending. And today, the Finnish president uh, was visiting uh, Joe Biden in the White House and announcing uh, deepening uh, security cooperation between Finland and the U.S. Finland hasn't made a decision to join NATO yet, but this is clearly um, kind of getting closer to that. So I don't know. It looks like an amazing, amazing development in the past uh, 10 to, 10 to 10, 10, 7 to 10 days. I mean, again, this is stuff that has been talked about for decades, and all of a sudden, within a week, you see these these different nations all being kind of pushed into one block. It seems. Do you think ultimately we'll see Finland and Sweden join NATO? That's a very good question. So, it's first time ever. Now, both the, in both countries, in both Sweden and Finland, the majority of the people support NATO membership. This has never been the case. It's all been a kind of minority, like twenty-five to twenty-eight percent. Now, in both countries, it's over 50%. So now the politicians, in a sense, have a permission to, to uh, apply for na uh, NATO membership. The, the danger is that um, it, might, it takes unanimous decision. So all the NATO countries would have to agree. Uh, 
and it might take some time. So what hap- what would happen when when it's Finland or Sweden applies before the eventual membership? Both of those countries would be very vulnerable at that point for, for Russian aggression because the collective security only applies for uh, NATO members. Eric Huskinainen, thank you so much for uh, your insight tonight. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much.